About two years ago, I moved into a new apartment. The walls were very thin, and because of fire safety laws in my city, my bedroom had one window, which led into the living room, and none with outside access. The window will be important later. It was three bedrooms, one for me, one for the master tenant, and one spare, which at the time was rented by a pretty friendly guy. Well, friendly guy had issues with his work visa and had to move back to Canada last minute, leaving us about two weeks to find another roommate. Our quickest and easiest option was Craigslist. Due to my work schedule, I had no part in the selection process, but was content when the new roommate moved in a little later. He seemed a bit off, but friendly. He was a very tall, large guy, but pretty quiet, and not someone I wanted to go out of my way with to hang out, but was okay being around and cordial with. About two weeks into his move-in, the master tenant left for Hawaii, leaving him and I alone in the home for the month-long duration of his stay. For the first few days, things are normal. All of a sudden, about four days into the trip, I am awoken up at 8am to frantic knocking at my door. Roommate, we'll call him Kyle, is standing there when I open up, looking frazzled. He looked me dead in the eye and says, So do you want to tell me what went down last night? To which I was shocked and confused because I had came home from work at 9pm and immediately showered and went to bed. I explain this to him and he tells me that he heard me screaming and arguing with someone in my room. That he saw me in the side alleyway, out the window, arguing with our landlord, whom I have never even seen at this point. That he heard people coming in and out of our house. I tell him no way, none of that ever happened. After staring at me for a little longer, he leaves and doesn't bring it up again. The next morning, I wake up to the same thing. This time, he says that I was arguing with my boyfriend. I was single at this time. That he had seen me talking with our other roommate, who was still in Hawaii, and asking me for a badge number of the officer I spoke to, since he had apparently seen me talking to a bunch of police as well. This time, I get angry and more or less tell him to cut his shit out because I'm not doing anything and don't know what the hell he's talking about. He gets a weird look on his face and says, I think I had seizures in my sleep. The next time it happens, call the ambulance and leaves for a bit, only to start knocking again about an hour later. And when I open up, Kyle repeats the exact same story verbatim. This happens once more before I tell him to leave me the fuck alone, and then I leave for work. I go to work as normal, and I am reluctant to return that night, but I am too tired to switch to an alternate location. Big mistake. About 1am, I wake up to slamming doors. Kyle's pacing back and forth between his bedroom, the living room, and out of the front door. Walking in and out of each room, turning the light on and off, mumbling angrily, and slamming the doors. I can see his figure pacing back and forth through the frosted window in my room that leads into the living room. Since my room is dark, he cannot see inside. Suddenly he screams, I can't live like this. Why are you doing this to me? I think he's on the phone and don't respond. A few minutes later, he screams my name out repeatedly and I realized he was directing it towards me. I knew I had to get the fuck out of there, so I very quietly crept out of my bed and started getting dressed and packing a bag of clothes for work in the morning. I'm almost done when he screams, I hear you, and charges over to my room, slapping the wall next to my door, but not touching the door itself. 
I looked towards my window and see his shadow leaned all the way forward, pressing his ear against the glass. I was fucking terrified and sat completely still, unmoving. He eventually screams out my name again and moves away from the window, and I hear him start pacing back and forth between the rooms again. Now, my shoes are kept on a rack outside my door and not inside my room, so I know that when I leave, I'm going to need a moment to put them on. I decide to wait until his pacing takes him out of the front door again, at which time I plan to grab my shoes, put them on, and run. As I was formulating this plan, the pacing stops. He screams, Do you want to fucking fight me about this? Come out right now, and we'll fight, I swear to God. I'm a very small, five-foot girl, and this guy was easily three times my size, so I'm definitely not looking to fight things. After a few minutes, he turns off all the lights again, and I hear the door to his room open and close, followed by a silence. I waited for a moment to be sure that I couldn't hear any movement, and that's when I decided to take my chance. I took a breath and pulled my door quickly open. I step out and grab my shoes before I look up a second later and see him standing shirtless with just a pair of boxers and socks on in the dark of the hallway. His arms hung slightly outwards in an awkward position. He says in a low, calm voice, Ma'am, we need to talk. That was a hard no from me, so I grabbed my shoes and ran out the door with them in hand. I ran about half a block barefoot before I stopped and put them on. When I look back, he's standing in the porch light of our front door, watching me run, but not moving. Luckily, I had a friend that lived two blocks away, and I had a spare key. I let myself in and crashed there for the night. That's where I stayed for the next week or so, while working things out with my master tenant, and Kyle agreed to move out within the week. He says he doesn't remember anything that happened, or wasn't sure if it was real or not. But if I said that's what went down, then it must be real. The day Kyle left, he sent me a photo of the house key sitting on the table and says, I'm out, and nothing else. I take a friend over with me to scout it out and ensure that he actually left. When we get there, we discover that not only had he left a ton of food on the furniture, but he had ripped all the fire alarms out from the ceiling. He had unscrewed and removed the deadbolt from the front door and had left them lined up near the front table. We then realized that the front door can only be locked by using the key from the outside, and it had been locked when we arrived, meaning Kyle still had a key. We called the locksmith immediately. Even after changing the locks, I was still terrified to stay there alone afterwards, and never went to sleep at night without barricading the doors with chairs and other furniture. To this day, I still fear for his safety. He was obviously psychologically unstable. But I also wonder what could have happened if I hadn't been as lucky as I was. Since the moment I started working at this restaurant six months ago, the alley behind the restaurant has always given me an uncomfortable feeling. To gain a layout of this restaurant, it's located in the middle of downtown, five minutes from the Mexico-US border. Since we are located in the tip of Texas, in the Rio Grande Valley, the alley itself is not located right behind the establishment. You must walk past its patio, then past our garage, until you reach the side back door that you have to prop open as the door locks behind you once it's closed. During the day, I usually see people walking back and forth across the alley when I have to take out the trash. It's typically a safe location, though it's also prominent for its homeless population. 
They are usually harmless, despite a few that are noticeably mentally ill. My colleagues have even got to know a few of them and have given them leftovers whenever possible. I work as part of the kitchen staff at the restaurant and most of the time we'll work past 10 p.m. At night, my boss usually never lets the women take out the trash just to be safe, especially a petite, five-foot, Hispanic, 28-year-old female. Anyways, since the quarantine started, our kitchen staff has become quite small, so I'll usually help take out the trash with one of the other men working. This night was pretty slow, and my fellow co-workers and I were encouraged to clean up and leave early. At around quarter to ten, I decided to get two of the slightly full trash bags and take them out back myself, assuming someone will see my actions and take the other two after me. As I walked past the patio to the garage, my gut began to fluster. I got to the back door and paused. Maybe you should wait, I told myself, but the smell protruding from the bags was nauseating. I pushed the door and propped it open with a brick we usually kept nearby. The alley was dark and silent. The air felt menacing. The only light illuminating was the bulb above the door. I walked quickly to the bins and lifted the top and dumped the trash. Then slowly a man stood up from the other side of the dumpster. He wasn't very big, but he looked a lot older. He was sweating, demeanor seemed agitated. He must have been crouching there and waiting for some time. I jumped back, holding my hands above my heart that seemed to be pulsing through my chest. The man looked at me, eyeing me as my steps moved backwards. He shook his head, motioning me to stop. He was far too close for me to outrun him. I looked at his bushy brows and dark black eyes. Most of him was still cloaked in the night that surrounded us. His clothing didn't look homeless. But I assumed he was, since it was common for them to be out here at this hour, usually waiting for food. I told him I had no leftovers, and he shook his head again and took out a medium-sized knife. My eyes widened as I took in a breath. The following exchange took place in Spanish, but I'll translate. I don't have my purse. I was working. I'm still working. Just come with me, he said using his knife as a pointer. My mouth grimaced. Having no idea where the small amount of courage came from, I said, My friend is coming right now with the rest of the trash. No, come now. He said more hurriedly and stepped closer, and I stepped back again, speaking again with him, a little more tenacity. They all saw me come over here. There's more trash, and he's coming right now. He's outside right now. I just need to yell. You're not going to scream. I'll gut you. To this day, I don't know what came over me, but I replied with, Mirame, watch me. We looked at each other, daring each other. Then we both heard footsteps coming from outside the garage. He ran past me. I stood there breathing again. I didn't even know I was holding my breath. I turned to see my friend, John, come out of the door. We're almost done over. He stopped after seeing my face. What happened? I explained everything and tears ran down my face. My friend decided to run down the alley to try to catch him, even though I told him not to, and that he's gone by now. It was about five minutes until he came back. John relayed to me that no one was around except for some homeless guys we were familiar with. He asked them if they saw anyone running from the alleyway, and they said yeah, but they didn't recognize the man, and he took off in the opposite direction towards the border. 
John took me back inside and told her boss what happened. They called the cops, whose station was pretty close by. They sent someone to patrol the area from the description of which I gave. My boss let me leave early and John walked me to my car. He told me it's too bad we didn't keep a camera back there. It would have been cool to see how I handled the guy. I smiled slightly, but my stomach was still in knots. He looked at me and apologized. I moved my hand to stop him and told him I'll be fine. Unfortunately, I still have to work there, but I have been excused from trash duty from now on. Obviously, they never found him. I don't want to think what would have happened to me if I had been more complicit. Something gave me the courage to argue back to him, and thank goodness that my friend came out just in time. So man, waiting behind the dumpster, I hope we never meet again. To put this into context, I'm an 18-year-old girl living in New Zealand. I suffer from anxiety and shut down in stressful situations and become rather overwhelmed when I'm not sure how to deal with something. This story happened yesterday while I was waiting at my bus stop. I had a long day at work and my legs were in pain and I wanted to get home and watch some YouTube in bed. It was getting dark and the sun was almost completely down. As I was listening to some music in a rather deserted area of the bus station, a man considerably larger than myself walked up and sat directly next to me on the bench, which I didn't think much of. To put this into perspective, I'm roughly 55 kgs, he must have been at least 100 and could have easily overpowered me. I noticed out of the corner of my eye that this man was staring at me and I began to feel a little uncomfortable but pegged it up to him looking at my mask. It's rather nondescript and just black. I ignored this and acted busy on my phone to avoid talking. As I said, I had a long day at work. The man began to talk and I pulled on my AirPod to listen to what he was saying to me. The AirPod fell and landed on the ground to which he picked up for me, held onto it and stared at it for a few seconds before handing it back to me. I was getting pretty bad vibes from this man. The conversation went something like this. Your eyes are beautiful. Did you get them from your mom or dad? Uh, mom, I guess. I kept my replies short, trying to signify I wasn't in the mood to talk, but he continued. What bus are you catching? Where do you live? I laughed nervously and told him I don't feel very comfortable sharing where I lived, but told him it was farther up north. He then said, Why? It's not like I'm going to rape you. Isn't it fancy up there? This is where I began to feel seriously uncomfortable and began to shake. He asked me if I had a boyfriend, to which I said yes, and he proceeded to ask me if I planned to marry him, to which I laughed and said yes. Oh, it kind of sounds like you're just rooting him. Are you sure you want to marry him? I was shocked and looked at him again before telling him, again, yes, I do plan on marrying my partner. How old are you? I don't know what came over me, but I told him I was 21 to try to make it come across that I was old enough to stand up for myself. Are you on the pill? I'm sorry, I don't feel comfortable sharing that and don't see why you need to know that. Oh, so you use condoms instead, eh? I wanted to walk away, but I was grounded to the bench and couldn't move a muscle if I tried. I was uncomfortable and confused as to why he was asking me these questions. Do you have someone waiting for you at the bus stop? Or are you walking home? How far do you live from the bus stop? 
This is the question that made everything click into place. And I realized this guy had malicious intent. He's not being friendly. The man is going to follow me home and either rape me or kidnap me. I started to really panic and desperately looking for onlookers. A young man walked out of the public bathroom and had overheard the conversation and was looking at the predator rather skeptically. I knew then I'd at least have someone to help me if I asked for it. I didn't. By this point, I recalled a video from r slash about a highly pregnant woman and her daughter being followed to their car in an empty car park in the dark by an older man. This lady stressfully tried to find her keys in her purse and the man was standing beside her daughter on the opposite side of the car making small talk with them. He got impatient and walked away just before she found her keys. Someone commented on her submission saying this was a popular thing and that he was waiting for her to unlock her car so he could get in and control her via threats to her children. It occurred to me that I should skip my bus and catch another one at a later time. I did exactly that. He kept trying to ask me where I live and I continued to refuse. He also continued to ask how far I lived from the stop and if my partner was waiting for me. I deflect all his questions and after 40 minutes he begins to get grumpy and walks away from the station. He wasn't there to catch a bus at all but to prey on a young woman at a bus stop. I caught the bus 10 minutes after he left and ran home where I completely broke down and cried in the arms of my partner. This morning I was so stressed, I contemplated taking the day off and staying in bed to rest for the day. I didn't. I'm at work posting this, but I was petrified. I live in France and this story happened to me this summer, just after the lockdown ended. I was and still am 19. After the lockdown ended, I went to my grandparents and spent a few weeks. I got tested before and no problems there. My grandparents live in a small city in the north part of France and they have a dog who's quite a big boy. When I was young, I lived with my grandparents for a year and at that time the dog was only a puppy. Her name is Chippy in French which kind of means little devil in English but in an affectionate way. Considering when I was living there, I played with her a lot. We are both really close, and that will have its importance later. Two of my hobbies are long walks and running. Thus, every evening, I would go out for a long walk with a dog. There's a track that follows a path through the forest. Then there's a small hill on the top of a big place with lots of fields there. I ran there a lot, so I know the place. The air is fresh, and the view is quite beautiful. So I was going there with the dog every day. It was also helping my grandparents to have her doing a lot of exercise. The first time we went there, nothing special happened. We just enjoyed our walk. It's about six or seven kilometers, so basically an hour's walk. The next day, we arrive on the top of the hill in the field. It was probably around 10 p.m., but there was still some light because it's summer. There were three people walking in the fields, and they were younger than me, probably around 15 or 16. I also noticed that they were smoking. My guess was that they came here so they wouldn't be seen by their parents. We went past them. I greeted them and they greeted back. Once again, nothing special. The second week, as usual, I went for a walk with a dog and arrived at the fields. There was one of the three boys. He wasn't smoking this time though. When he saw me, I was at the entrance of the field, just after the hill climb. 
so the entrance of the forest was just behind me. He did a sign with his hands to catch my attention and asked if I had a lighter, which I actually had one in my pocket. I told him, yeah, sure. So he walked to me, hands in his pockets of his hoodie. When he came closer, for some reason, I felt a shiver. It's crazy how sometimes your instincts know there's a problem, but you don't listen to it because nothing looks weird to you. I handed over my lighter when he passed by. At that moment, my dog was staring at him. Then, everything happened really fast. He did a really fast movement with his hand, coming from his hoodie, and I only saw something shining. I had a reflex of throwing myself back so hard that I fell down. Just then, I realized that it was a knife he was holding, and he was trying to stab me. What saved me was my dog. God bless her. When she saw the guy try to stab me, she jumped on him, and he fell down. As I said before, it's a really big dog. I immediately got up to my feet and heard something behind me, and from the entrance of the forest, I saw the two guys wearing animal masks running towards me. They were probably the two friends. In those type of moments, your brain acts for itself. You don't think at all. The other guy was still on the ground. I just watched my dog and told her to run. I started running and she followed me. And just then, I heard the worst possible thing from the guy who just got up. Catch him. Don't let him go. At this moment, I was totally terrified. I was just running and hearing them running behind me. The only thing I was thinking was, how long will they follow me and who the hell are they? This was the first time I was really happy to be a runner. I was clearly better than those guys and it totally saved me because they chased for some time and it felt like an eternity to me. Fortunately, at the end of the field, there's another entrance to the forest, and this time, it's a descend with the road at the end. I heard the steps of the three guys vanishing as I arrived to the end of the forest, though I didn't stop running until I arrived at my grandparents' house and locked myself in. I caught a big breath and gave a huge hug to my dog. I saw their eyes and she totally understood what happened, and I had never been so happy to have her in my life. After this, I told everything to my grandparents. We called the police, but they never found anyone. I don't know what those guys wanted, but the animal masks really made me think something satanic. I really don't want to know, anyway. I still take long walks with my hero dog, but I now go earlier in places with a little more people. I'm an 18 year old kid in culinary school. This happened back in 2009. Our program has an underground parking lot attached to the lounge of our own, located behind the cafeteria. Couples like going there cause it's always empty and partially dark. I hated it cause it had a back door leading to the parking lot that was barely lit up. Barely anyone parked there, so I found it creepy. Plus being a horror fan, I knew that that was a perfect opportunity for things to go wrong. Long story short, I came out of class one day and this kid I don't know starts walking up to me, almost confrontational like. I have a knife set with me and pull out the handle, ready to defend myself. He stops and hands me a paper. It reads, meet me in the lounge. I look at him in confusion and ask who sent him with a note. Was it my boyfriend? or someone in the culinary program, or maybe a friend from high school. He shakes his head and says he doesn't know, but I should go. 
I question him on what this person looks like and he refuses to give me any information. I chuckled nervously, put the note in my pocket and walked past the kid to head to class. He starts following me, asking me if I was going to go. I try ignoring him, heading into the library to get into a public place. He follows. He tries telling me I should go, that it's my destiny or some crap along those lines. I glare at him and pick up the pace, trying to head downstairs to the cafeteria in hopes of finding the classmate and losing the kid. He runs at the same pace, telling me he doesn't understand why I'm not going. I tell him, because I don't want to, now go away and head into the cafeteria. By now, he's really creeping me out. I grab my phone to call the police, but instead, see a classmate and run towards him. The kid follows me, pointing towards the lounge and telling me I'm going the wrong way. I instantly panic and tell my classmate what's going on. He approaches the kid and tells him to leave me alone, that I have a boyfriend and that I'm not interested. The kid tells me that they're waiting for you in the lounge and not to take long. His words just give me chills. My classmate walks me to the student restaurant and asks for some others to come with us. Three of my other colleagues come with us to the lounge and there's no one there. I get freaked out and decide that I need to go home. They walk me through the campus to the parking lot where I call my parents to get a ride. One of the others stays with me while the classmate who defended me goes to report the behavior to our teachers who use the lounge as secondary offices sometimes. He then comes back to tell me that they're going to keep an eye out for any suspicious activity and for that kid. A few days later, I learned that a girl had been assaulted in that area, having parked there during the finals and gone in through the lounge. The school newspaper had reported it, but there were no details as to who did it and if they were caught. I literally felt my stomach drop, hoping that the girl was okay and hoping that those people get caught. I reported my incident to the newspaper team, but they claimed that she never dealt with anything like a note. They never found the suspects. My mom is glad I listened to my gut and didn't go. To this day, I still get chills about it. She recovered and escaped with only a few minor injuries. She got jumped, but I had no money, so they left her. All I can think of is, why me? If they were going for money, I was poor and literally lived off sesame crackers donated by my classmates because I had no money. I'm just glad the other girl's okay and that I listened to my gut. Who knows what would have happened to me if I had gone. This happened to me seven years ago when I was 16. I'd all but forgotten about it until a few weeks ago when my mom brought it up. Necessary backstory. I grew up in a rural town in Australia. My house was 30 minutes out of town with 20 acres of thick brush land behind it and a driveway that was about five minutes drive on its own. The neighbor's house shared the driveway, but was surrounded by five acres, so incredibly isolated. It always felt like a really safe place because it was so far away from other humans, but of course, that comes with its downside. No one can hear you scream. In 2012, my brother graduated from high school and my folks got sick of being so far out. So they decided to rent a house and move closer to town. 
By then, my mom was so used to not having neighbors that it annoyed the shit out of her. We once heard the neighbors sneezing, and that was the last straw. So a year later, at the end of the lease, we moved back, but this time without my brother, who was settled in uni. When we went back, we moved into our original rooms and put all the furniture back how it was, more or less. My room was the only one on the left side of the house. I chose it for the view of the shed, which used to have chickens, ducks, and alpacas roaming around it. The room felt different somehow, like it wasn't mine. Instead of swapping rooms and having to do all my posters and stuff again, I just started sleeping with the light on. The only other thing that was different was the runners had left a horse float and a caravan in a padlock next to the shed. I couldn't have cared less, but my mom was calling the runners every other week to get them to move it as soon as possible. Also, at this time, my dad was working for a mining company and installing a pipeline to an island off the east coast. So he was away four weeks at a time, then home for two weeks. So onward to the point. One night when my dad was away at work and it was just me and my mom at home, I was exhausted and went to bed really early. I ended up having the absolute worst dream of my life. I was a little shit at the time being a 16 year old girl, but I barely spoke for the next few days. It had truly shaken me to my core. It started with my dog barking, as she would do for the entire five minutes that anyone was coming down the driveway. I went out to get her, but it was pitch black. I could only just see her standing at the edge of the grass by the drive. She was standing really aggressively in a way I only ever saw her do to the kangaroos and the neighbor's dog. I started hearing footsteps crunching on the pebbles. Then a male voice comes from the other side of the house. The dog was now running from left to right, going absolute ape shit and getting gradually closer to me like they were closing in and she was trying her hardest to protect me. I was trying to scream, but the only sounds I could make was labored breathing. I was completely paralyzed with fear. I couldn't make out what they were saying, but they were laughing to each other and whispering. This kept going on for what felt like an eternity, the mysterious male voices getting closer and closer, but never coming out of the shadows enough for me to know who they were. Eventually, I woke up. It wasn't like the movies where I'd jump up and was out of breath. I was just laying in bed like a dead pharaoh with my eyes open like I had never been sleeping. After a few days of acting weird, my mom finally asked me what's going on. She's not a talkative person, so she asked it offhandedly and wasn't looking at me. As I told her, she stopped what she was doing and looked at me like I had just spoken in tongue. Turns out, the night I had the dream, shortly after I went to bed and just before sunset, two guys rocked up to the house, saying that they were there to collect the horse float. The dog went bananas at them, which was only strange because normally, as soon as you were close to her, She'd fall on the ground and demand belly scratches. My mom didn't recognize these guys from anyone in the family that rented from us, but they knew about the shit my mom wanted gone, so she put the dog in her lockup and took them to it. One of them took it upon himself to walk around the back of the house, parallel to the shed, behind the dog lockup, then came back and pointed out that there was only one car in the driveway, that he had noticed before that there was a van, even said something like, husband not home tonight, while looking at my window with a light coming through the curtains. 
To say the least, my mom freaked out. How did they know how many cars we had when she had never met either of them before? In an instant, she thought they must have came around before, seen two cars, and gone away. Following the man's gaze to my room, she let out a relaxed laugh and said, Oh, he's just in there cleaning his guns, but he's probably done now. I'll go get him so he can help you with the float. The most intense weapon my dad owned was a rusty machete, so I have no idea where that came from on my mom's end, but I'm internally glad for it. They protested and said that they could manage it, but she bolted inside, locked the doors, and stood there by the window with a knife and watched them drive away without the horse float. When my dad got home a week or so later, he called the runners up in a fit of rage and found out that they hadn't sent anyone to get it for them, but all their friends knew it was there because they had been trying to organize help to get both in one day. Purely because I was sleeping with the light on at the time this happened and because I went to bed early at night, my mom and I escaped a potentially serious, horrific situation because you just know if my dumbass was there, I would have instantly declared, nope, just us home tonight. For the record, I'm female. I'm turning 19 this year and this story happened when I was 15. Oh, also, I'm from France. When I was 15 years old and just got into junior year, I created my first Twitter account that I deleted because of the story. Some information. I didn't tell anyone my username, neither my family nor my friends. My profile picture was an avatar, so no pictures of me on the account. And as location, I said Paris because I lived in the suburbs. I didn't have much followers, 20 or maybe 30, and I didn't follow that much people, so my timeline was not really interesting. One evening in October, someone sent me quite a strange direct message. It was a 200 follower account, and the message was, Hi, my name is Rob. I just turned 17 and wanted to know if you lived in, because I will be moving there soon and go to the town high school, and I'm looking for friends. That indeed was the town I lived in. I immediately thought something was wrong because there was nowhere in my profile that I said where I actually lived. But after some time thinking, I remembered a tweet I made a few weeks ago about buses and mentioned the city. So I told myself he just looked up the city and found my tweet. His age wasn't shocking because I'm two years ahead of my classmates. I was bored and he was polite, so I answered him. I told him I indeed lived in that city and go to high school there. The discussion was natural and we talked a lot that night mainly about high school, about the food at the cafeteria, about the teachers, that kind of thing. But as it was getting very late, he tried to impose some personal questions, like, do you live far away from the high school? In a house or an apartment? Do you live with both your parents? There's five of you? You're not often home alone, right? I never answered because it was way too shady for me, and unfortunately, he didn't insist. I said unfortunately because if he did, I would have probably blocked him. The next day, same thing. We talked a lot and he was still asking personal questions to know me better. So I asked him too and he always answered with what seemed like honesty. I still didn't answer the questions about my house though because he didn't need to know anything. It lasted two or three weeks but it was enough for me to develop feelings for him. He was handsome, super kind, and it was everything I needed. 
because I was bullied for years and still am today. I still develop strong feelings, but most importantly, blind trust in people who are friendly to me. In France, it was October and we had a two week long vacation. And the day before back to school day, he finally told me he was coming to my high school because he finally moved in with his mom and he asked me for a place to meet during morning break. I was so happy and relieved to be able to meet him and told him to join me in the hall. When he realized that there would be people around, he said he would prefer an isolated area because he was afraid he would not recognize me and didn't want to spend the whole break looking for me. It was a good excuse for me, so I told him to meet me in the third floor bathroom because we weren't allowed to stay there during the breaks and no one would disturb us. In my head, even though it was a little bit creepy, I was still in school, so nothing could happen to me. Next day, back to school day, I made myself pretty. I wore my best clothes. I counted the minutes and finally, when break time arrived, I ran to the bathroom and waited. When he arrived, it was him. He was not a catfish. He looked quite like his profile picture. But I still noticed that he seemed a little bit older than he told me. I thought more like 20 years old instead of 17. We talked a lot. We got along well. I was so pleased. At the end of the break, he asked me to go with him to get fast food on lunch. I said no, because I didn't have any money, and I always refused to let people pay for me. It's a principle. He seemed disappointed, but offered to walk me home after class. I explained I have to take the bus, but that he could walk me to the bus stop. He looks disappointed again, but finally accepts. And that's exactly what happened, and it was so great that it quickly became some kind of routine. We'd meet in the third floor bathroom during the morning break, and he'd walk me to the bus stop after classes. Surprising fact, I never saw him in the hallways nor at the cafeteria, but I thought at the time that the building was huge and there was over 1,500 students in there. So if our schedules didn't coincide, there was no way we would run into each other. This little game lasted until December, so almost a month and a half. The 14th of December, a Thursday, I complained about how lonely I was going to be that evening because my dad was abroad for work. My brother always stays at his friend's house. My little sister was on a school trip and my mom had to work late that very night. It was very reckless of me, but after weeks, I thought I could trust him. That evening, he walked me to the bus stop. We both waited. I got on the bus, waved at him, and put on my earphones. I had two stops before my house. It was about 5.45 in December, so it was already really dark outside. As I got out of the bus, I had a real bad feeling. There was that very uncomfortable sensation in my stomach, and I felt like I was being watched. I pressed pause on the music, but kept the earphones in, so people thought I couldn't hear anything, and that's probably what saved my life. I lived in a suburban neighborhood, very silent, especially at night. With no visibility on the big main road, the bus passed. I heard footsteps behind me. I understood I was right. There was someone following me, and he does not have good intentions. At least I could hear that he was not accelerating, so he was not trying to catch up to me, but I couldn't guess how long that would last. As quietly as possible, I tried to reach for my keys in my pocket, and when I finally pulled them out, I ran. I ran as fast as I could, best sprint of my life. I don't know how it worked, but I managed to open the door and close it before he could reach me. I then deactivated my alarm, which by the way, confirmed that I was home alone. 
I took a look through the glass panel on the door. We don't have a peephole, so I'm looking through the whole window. So if someone wanted to see what was happening inside, they could. It was Rob, a few meters away, looking at me with a really creepy face. He followed me home, probably with a car, and he was clearly not here for a chit chat. I still don't know why I didn't call the police. I was totally paralyzed. We both stared at each other for a minute, and when I finally took back control over my body, I ran into the kitchen to get a knife, and then went back to the door. He was still there, banging against the door. I feared for a second that the glass would break, but thankfully it didn't. That moment, when I was pushing against the door, praying for it not to break, while he was kicking it harder and harder, was the longest, most terrifying thing I've ever experienced. After maybe five minutes, he stopped and went around the house, knocking on every shutter, and got to the back door. He looked very angry, but then my neighbor's car pulled up in the driveway and Rob ran away, probably thinking it was my mom coming home. On Twitter, Rob sent me a thousand messages before I could block him. He then deleted his account, and I thought I was done with the story. But quickly after, some accounts, which had been created just to follow me, started popping up. Their ads were all a series of numbers with the first letter of his name, and as soon as I blocked one, another one followed me. I chose to delete my account because I couldn't make it stop, and it was too hard to endure. They were literally sending me dozens of insulting DMs. Later, I talked to the people who were supposed to be Rob's classmates because I haven't met them, but not a single one had ever heard of Rob. This guy was never a student in my high school. That's why we never met apart from our daily meetings and probably why he seems so old. I don't hear about him anymore, but I still ask myself what did he want and what could have happened that night. So Rob, let's not meet again. This happened a few years ago when I was bartending in college. I was coming home down a stretch of divided highway at around 3 a.m. when I noticed a car heading towards me in the wrong lane. I doubted myself at first and thought that the car was on the other side of the highway. Sure enough, the white Ford sedan passed me at really high speed, at least 90 miles per hour. It's worth noting for later, I also drive a white Ford sedan. I was used to seeing drunk idiot drivers in the middle of the night, so I pulled alongside the road and let him pass me. I had a moment of clarity and thought to call the police, thinking that this person could hurt themselves or someone else. The dispatcher answered and after telling them which road and exit mile marker I was at, they told me that they would send a car. The state police station was only a few exits away, so I figured they would send someone and I would just drive home. As I headed back onto the highway, I noticed lights a few miles behind me. I live in a more rural part of southern Pennsylvania, and traffic at 3am tends to be truckers and cops. The car gains on me when I was getting up to speed, and I stay on the right lane and waited to pass. Instead, it flipped on the high beams, making it uncomfortable to drive, and rode my tailgate. At this point, I thought I would be pulled over by the police. I drove a white Ford sedan and I just called about a different white Ford sedan. So I grabbed my registration from the glove box. Suddenly, the car behind me audibly slammed on its brakes and stopped in the middle of the highway. They must have just shut off their car because the lights went out and I saw what looked like the same sedan from earlier. I thought it may have been a police car. They had a roof rack 
and it also couldn't look like I reached for a gun from my glove box or something. I panicked and called 911 for the second time. I asked the dispatcher if they had sent a cruiser to investigate. The dispatcher assured me that they had sent somebody out. Dispatcher. We have sent a trooper out to find the car, sir. I only asked because someone is following me and acting weird. It could be a cop and I think I freaked them out by getting my registration. Are you pulled over? No, they didn't turn on their lights. Let me try to get the trooper we sent out. As she was talking, the car sped towards me again and stopped inches from my bumper. Again, the high beams were on and again they slammed on their brakes. I told the dispatcher, I'm pretty sure it's not the police behind me. The car sped up on my bumper again and turned their high beams on, this time laying on the horn. Hearing this, the dispatcher asked me what was happening. What's, what's happening? Did you honk? That's a car behind me. I don't think it's a cop. I'll try to get the trooper again, but I don't think it's him behind you. For some reason, this is what shook me. Before that, I thought that I was getting pulled over and maybe get a ticket. Up until then, I was going the speed limit and trying to avoid getting pulled over. I told the dispatcher, I don't care if I get pulled over. I'm speeding and if they put their lights on, then I'll pull over. I started accelerating and the person behind me just kept up with me. The speed limit was 55 and they kept on my bumper the entire time, but this time they were swerving. I tried to signal for the exit, then bailed on it, but they followed. At the next exit, I took the off-ramp and continued on the on-ramp, and the car behind me followed me the whole time. I thought about trying to go to the Wawa, a convenience and gas station that was pretty much the only populated place in southeastern Pennsylvania at 3am, but the dispatcher thought that that would be unsafe. She was calm and talking to another person trying to send police to me. The other person, maybe a supervisor, asked if I could drive to the state police station. Realizing that I was one exit away, I told her I was coming there, and she said that she would have troopers to meet me outside. As I pulled off the exit, the car followed me. I blew a few red lights to get to the police station, and the car tried to pull into the other lane to pass me or pull up alongside me. Once the police station was in view, I put on my turn signal, and the car slammed on its brakes again, turned off their lights, and turned into a parking lot. The story kind of ends anticlimactically as I pulled into the police station and met the troopers. Two of them went out to find the car and I stayed with the third trooper. I thanked the dispatcher and her supervisor and the state trooper escorted me home after taking the statement from me. I was never called for a follow up so I can only assume they didn't catch this person 